Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to be joined today by James Azalea. James is the founder and CEO at Cognizant. James left his previous career in trading back in 2016 to work full-time on Cognizant. Since then, the company has grown to $8 million in annual recurring revenue with a whopping 150 employees across offices in London, Macedonia, Croatia, New York, Vancouver, Singapore, with over 450 clients. Uh, Cognizant has also been granted a US patent for its machine learning technology James, excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sam, for having us. Uh, very good. Yeah, I suppose uh, given the current situation um, in the world, it's, uh, it's you know, uh, March has been a radical uh, change in terms of the business environment for all of us. And uh, yeah, like I guess like, like every business, we're just adjusting to that at the moment. But, but you know, apart from that, we're, we're all good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Really pleased to have you on. So there's plenty myself and the audience would love to go through with you, James. So we'd love to learn your story. Uh, we'd love to learn your recommended business growth tips, the digital marketing strategies that you've utilized along the way. Um, so if we could first jump straight in and learn some of the key experience you've had, where you grew up um, ever since you left school, some of the key business roles you've had and what you've learned along the way up until you founding and starting Cognizant. Sure. So uh, I grew up in uh, Warrington, um, in the in the northwest of England, like not not far from Manchester. Uh, and then um, I went to uh, the University of Imperial College in London, where I did okay. an, an information systems engineering degree. So I did computer computer engineering um, as a degree. I, awesome. I was sponsored through university by the Ministry of, of Defence, um, where I trained as like a procurement. Um, procurement manager um, and then got to do like lots of very cool placements in the with the army um, navy air force um, and and yeah, working in various roles in the ministry of defense through university and nato and that that was a extremely cool experience that sounds really learning. exciting man that sounds yeah, really it was, fun it was, yeah it was it was a really fun and i learned um you know uh, you know i got to a lot of key skills like you know how to you know do pres like very good presentations um, just just working in lots of different environments, lots of different teams of people. Um, and after university, I uh, went to work in investment banking. So I worked, uh, you know, that was kind of like at the time I graduated in 2001, uh, you know, it was literally the, you know, the highlight of um, the, you know, the, the internet um, boom at that, that time. Got it. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, a really, it was a really great time to graduate because everybody was desperate to get um, software engineers and, and you know it, it was like so crazy that people i got paid at one point one thousand pounds just to attend an interview um so that, that was how crazy the <laughs> that's not too bad. yeah exactly I didn't, you didn't even have to take the job you just had to show up for the interview um and that that went um so yeah uh, uh, and then i basically took a job in investment banking and worked in building fx option trading systems um for ubs investment bank and then pretty much had in a career in um, software engineering, um, I, I, you know, they they moved me from London to Switzerland, uh, which is where you know what, why I'm based here now. I have Got like it. A, okay. A permanent place in um, uh, Zurich, 
Uh, that's that's where I am kind of sitting out the crisis at the moment. Uh, and then um, uh, then I moved. Uh, I, I had roles in uh, engineering, computer engineering, and then I moved into uh, option uh, trading, and then um, supporting commodities. I moved into the during the 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 from 2006. I basically uh, then became like a commodity um, salesperson, commodity trader, um, and quant. And oh right, uh, so that until from... the end. So you went from yeah. software actually engineering into the sales game itself. So into actually yeah, training. exactly. Wow, that's uh, yeah, quite a exactly. Transition. Yeah, it was a it was a big transition and it was a lot of fun. I mean, at that time, you there was a big encouragement to kind of like take risk in your career and then to, to have like to make a big career change and try something different um, because it was like we were going through a boom again and you know there there were okay. lots of opportunities to move into new roles. You know, we went from the internet boom to bust. Um, and, you know, and then again, we had like another big financial boom until the financial crisis about, you know, a decade ago. And, you know, I, I, I got to try lots of great roles, had, you know, um, amazing experiences looking after companies like Ford and General Motors, you know, uh, uh, from, as, from a sales perspective, uh, got to travel, you know, first class, um, with, with the UBS was flying me first class out to the U S you know, from being a, you know, a, programmer sat behind a desk all the time it was really super thrilling well and was that uh, and a then, steep learning curve james moving that actual transition was it was it something mm, you picked up quick moving from the tech side of things to selling um was it was it easy or how did you how did that I mean, my step my stepfather was this in sales so so i oh, I, I kind of spent uh, you know I'd, I'd gone through you know i'd seen lots of john quiz videos like sales training videos from the 1980s um and i'd already <laughs> i was you know i i was I wasn't like, I suppose I wasn't your kind of like typical introverted, um, um, you know, IT programmer, right? Sure, um, sure, sure. You know, so, so it, it wasn't such a, a hard transition. Um, and I, I found it quite, um, fun. Um, like I, I was also very interested in the market. So I, I was, I found it quite fun talking to the clients about the way the markets were going, my views on the markets. Um, and that, you know, when you do that and you do that, fairly competently you actually help in that industry you actually help to trigger um sales conversations and that then helped to you know is i was very good at providing content on the markets and that content led to sales i think that's the best way of putting it in, in awesome. today's terms and, and so yeah. cool man and then, that sounds and then, like the best best mix if you're really interested in what you're doing and you're passionate about it that that helps so much i'm, I'm sure you'd agree yeah, I think like as, as as a lesson for today, right? If you can generate content, interesting novel content, then that um, delivers value to clients, and then that helps to trigger sales. And you know, it's it's true in any industry. Um, and so it's just the ability for you to be creative and create and and uh, creative and understand uh, how to generate interesting content. And that was what I was very good at doing in that industry at that time. Excellent. Um, and then um from that of course then the, the financial crisis happened and you know like overnight i went from a very successful career to um zero right I, everything got shut down oh, in yeah. the space of a couple of weeks um and then and then basically i went that? back to being a quant and a software engineer okay. um i i suppose you know it's like it's, it's like it's like now right like um you're just in that new situation. It's like, you, you just have to cope with it. There's not really a choice in terms of, um, you know, the, the biggest thing is you make decisions quickly and you readjust the new environment. And, you know, I'm sure like every business is going through that right now. You know, it's like, Hey, you have to, you have to just be very quick about 
making decisions for survival, right? Um, Makes sense. Like in terms of then for my career, it was I I moved to um, I moved back to um, being um, like a software engineer at Quant. Um, I moved back to Switzerland from London. I'd, I'd been I'd been doing that career in London, um, and then. I rebuilt my career and then became like an algo trader. So, so, you know, my, my career just before I ended, just before I started Cognizant, I was trading like oil, gym, power and carbon, but I wrote computer programs that traded the markets. Um, so, um, and that, that was, I did that for five years before I started Cognizant, which is also where the interest came from in terms of all the technology that we've built around Cognizant. A lot of those ideas came from the trading world. Um, and you know the, the, about reading news feeds so that you make decisions on news and now you know we we apply that type of technology to understanding contact data and who's working where and what events have happened to companies that, that we're now using to um, build our, our business at the moment yeah Got so it. so yeah so i had a, a very interesting and varied career and then well, i think all of those skills have helped me to be a ceo um, and to, to, you know, I, in particular, because I'm interested in trading and markets, I think it, it particularly affects my view about how I look at risk on the business. Um, okay. And, you yeah. know, in, in, partic- in particular, I think it's helped, you know, like we, I've been very defensive going into this year because I felt this year was going to be a bad year. Um, for, but I didn't, I didn't expect it to be this bad or expect this crisis. I expected a crisis, but not this crisis. Um, and so we've gone into this year very defensively and raised lots of money um, at the right time. So we're kind of going in in a fairly healthy position into, you know, what a very, very, uh, probably like one of the worst trading conditions for most businesses that, that, that has ever been seen, right? So, right. so you know, then that, that's sitting us, that's put us in a, you know, a, a good position going into a, a very you know deep crisis awesome all right james it would be thanks thanks for running through your story so far and it'd be great to learn how the actual idea for cognism came about and the steps that you took to start up the business going from right from start sure. building up to the massive place where it is right now yeah so i guess like um like firstly the the reason i started the business it, it was really you know i had a friend um Usman Khan, who ran a, a company called Algamy, um, and they had just um, raised money, and I went to visit his office, and the energy in the place was electrifying. You know, it was, um, you know, they had an amazing office, uh, um, a place in London called One America Square, which had like some of the best views of London, um, and I was just super Sweet. inspired by um, the success that they were having and the energy. Just the the you know, when you go into a company that's been very successful this just raise money. Um, you know, it's, it, you, you know, the energy in that place versus where I, I, I was working at the time was, you know, I was working at a Swiss utility. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't as energetic as that place by, by a long way. So, so I really <laughs> felt, um, that, that this is something that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to run my own company. I wanted to like give that a shot. Um, I needed a crew change in my career. I kind of got to a point in my career where, um, I, I'd, you know, you, where you work for somebody else, all the time you don't feel like you have control over your career or your destiny sure. so so i wanted to um you know have change things you know in, in my life and so i i basically started to um work on this um like li- a little bit in the in the background and then um i had an opportunity because the the financial times reached out to me to work on a trade uh, an idea for the, the trading i did 
And then wow. I had okay. the idea for at that point of, okay, what if we, we applied this um, new API that the financial teams at times had to other projects. Uh, and that's really like where it began. But I, the original idea was that I was going to use this technology for hedge funds so that hedge funds could work out who they could go after for new, new funds for new money. Um, so that was the original idea. And so I, I left um, my, my role. I went on to um, different accelerator programs or, or applied for lots of different accelerator programs. I applied for Seed Camp, first of all, didn't get in. I applied for Y Combinator, 500 Startups, all of those, those were my idea and didn't get in. But through those processes and applying for those processes, it helped me to kind of refine the idea that I had. Eventually, I got, okay. onto, well, I got put onto a program in Boston called Fintech Sandbox, which was a, a free accelerator program, which was a really great, great program. Um, everything they did was, was free. You know, you got, you didn't have to give any equity, but you didn't get any equity. Um, but you got, um, you know, help with building a pitch deck. You got help with, um, you know, pitching in front of investors. Um, so and from that, that experience, and actually, you know, that helped me to develop a very strong pitch deck um, and to look at how to build a pitch deck for investors that, that would resonate with investors. Then Fantastic. from okay. that, yeah, then, then from that, I got into another accelerator program called Winton Labs, which is closed down now, but um, that was um, from a hedge fund called Winton Capital. And, that, and that's really when I, um, you know, we, we, we developed the idea and, and fleshed it out into actual products. And then really realized that it was that we were going after completely the wrong market. That the market that we we're going after these hedge funds would be terrible customers um, for, for our products, right? Because it wasn't their primary business. Um, they took very slow decisions to buy, and then um, you know that the, you were always back at the queue um, for actually getting implemented. So the sales cycles were incredibly slow, and the implementation Got cycles it. were incredibly slow okay. as well. Um, so then we, from that, from that learning, uh, and that, that was funding at the end of that program, um, that got pulled. Um, I pretty much ran out of money myself. So I went back, um, consulting and my CTO, um, who's Stefan, um, he basically went and worked for free for three months. Um, and I was pouring all of my like limited funds into keeping Cognizant going. That was an incredibly difficult time towards the end of 2016. Um, and then, you know, just through slogging it out and just continuously trying to keep raising funds while I was consulting and like basically us not giving up, then we managed to raise a seed round from a Swiss investor and et cetera, it's a software company. Um, and, um, from that, then we pivoted the business to, to, to sales and marketing technology and that. Got that it. was in the beginning of 2017. And, okay, and that, so that, just before we progress, James, sorry, the, yep. for anyone listening, the, the, we're both working from home at the moment, so the internet's cutting in and out, so apologies if there's any glitches. But yeah, so you said that you worked out that the original market you were going for, the sales cycle was, too, was a bit flawed, it was a bit too long a sales um, flow, so it was taking too long to actually win the deals. So you shifted the focus to, mm -hmm. to sales and marketing, was that right? And when did the penny drop that that was the market to home in on, James? I think we're just investigating the, investigating other products that are on the market and what was working, what was successful. I think I see. You know, uh, one of the things that I've read is, you know, you really, like ideas really need to be an evolution. Um, they can't be a revolution generally, right? If you're a new company and you're trying to um, build a product that nobody's using and that nobody's, 
um, there's no comparable product on the market. That's, that's an incredibly hard thing to do because you've got to literally build a market from scratch. Like really you want to have a product that's better, has some sort of slight difference from products on the market. So you can actually, um, you know, um, you can, you can fit into an existing market and you can pitch a proposition that people are going to easily understand. Um, so in the, the, um, I think the the product that we had for hedge funds was more of a revolution um, because okay. it wasn't the way that hedge funds were traditionally sourcing business. It wasn't how they were naturally sourcing business and it wasn't core to how they source business. Um, whereas, you know, we're looking at the market, um, the, the data that we had, uh, you know, the, the data we'd built in terms of contacts and where people were working, um, events that are happening to companies, all those reasons that would help you to, it, you know, it was, it was pretty much like sale, like a LinkedIn sales navigator, but with an event dimension and with, with, you know, um, B2B email addresses, um, instead of, you know, um, only using email messenger. So it is kind of easy to sell to people that are using LinkedIn um, to say, sure. you know, Hey, you know, you can reach people on email um, and not just through in mail. And, you know, you can, you can also um, build audiences, richer audiences by, you know, not just using people company data, but using people company and event data. So instead of just saying, give me all of this, this, you know, the heads of sales in London, give me all the heads of sales in London who just raised a, a series A round or a funding round or who just hired, um, who are hiring right now salespeople. Right. And that helps you build a more intelligent audience, so it's kind of it's you know it's an it's a, it's a small evolution uh, rather than a big revolution, um, and that you know that 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 then makes it easier to pitch and easier to resonate with the audience. Awesome. Okay. Fantastic. And what was it? What was the process of scaling up the business? So, like we said at the start, uh, James, you've now got 150 employees in a whole host of different countries. Mm. So, did it start out just a small team in an office, and did it scale up pretty fast, or? your growth been pretty quick? Yeah. So luckily, I think like one of our key hires, um, you know, we, we had like the, the early employees, you know, we, there's two great, great decisions I made. Um, one, um, you know, we hired in twos. Um, and so, you know, we, we hired um, somebody senior in industry. That person didn't work out. And then we, we hired um, uh, now, now who's, who's now our CRO, Nazma Corbin. Um, you know, she was more junior, but, um, you know, she, she, um, you know, had that kind of like drive and, uh, I think has proven to be very good at building and motivating like, a, the, the backbone of our business, which is really graduate sales team, um, and, and to build like a strong outbound function. Um, so, awesome. you know, one of the okay. things I'd read was always hire in sales, always hire in twos. Um, so, cause you never know what's really going to work. And I think that's a little bit of a function of the product you're selling. Um, and, um, and also, you know, that it's, when you start a business, you're generally quite clueless, right? I was completely clueless about how to hire good salespeople. I'd be in a salesperson, but an investment bank. And that's not like, you know, somebody who sure. does sales in an investment bank is nothing like as somebody who's doing sales for a SaaS software company. Um, so, so you, you know, you, you're going to make mistakes at the beginning, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and they're going to be expensive. Um, but, you don't, one of the things you don't have is time, right? You, so time is like, uh, you're going to very quickly run out of time. So you, the bet is best to kind of really try and get people as cheap as possible and then to hire in two so that if you make a mistake, you've got backup. Um, That's so that, that was a key thing. Before, and I really like that. Oh, I right. really like that. <laughs> cool. I think it's a really okay. good point. The other, the other thing was I, I also, I don't, I, I literally can't go back to where I got that for, from, but, 
I felt from the very beginning that customer success was a very strong, um, was a very important function. And so we hired Chris, um, who's, who's now our VP of Americas, but he was then our, you know, head of customer success. Um, and that was a great decision as well, because, you know, the, the, there's a great, there's a great set of articles, which I, I encourage everybody to read from Paul Graham, who's the founder of Y Combinator. I don't know if you've ever seen those, those articles. Um, on no, I'll have website. to check that He's out. Got these, like, they're amazing. And, and there's, there's one, one I'd definitely recommend is, is, um, how not to die. And that was really important for me through 2016. <laughs> um, it was just, it, it's an essay about like, just keep doing a little bit of something, even if you're, you're like, things are terrible, then the company, you know, the, the companies that survive are the ones that just keep going. Um, even in the hard times and the ones that die are just the ones that go silent. Right. So it's a great essay. Um, I really, really, and, and there was another one about do things that don't scale. It's a really good essay as well about that, that when you're starting a company, you can't build the most perfect software solution that you really need to have like people services that are actually behind the tech. Because if you don't do that, like the problem is you build a lot of technology, which is very expensive. And then you build, processes into that technology that are very rigid that that actually don't resonate with users whereas if you've got people building the processes you can be very flexible you can literally change any everything in in, a, in an hour right we're just teaching people a new process and then you build the software when you know you got the processes right um, and so you really need to at the beginning do things that don't scale and to do that you need a customer success function um, and then also just to patch over the problems with what what's always going to be like weak technology at the beginning that, that you strengthen over years um, so customer success and having people that can actually do manual processes is an important part of building solid technology in the long run and it, and you believing that you've found you know what the solution is for the market is the best way to like build um you know a technology that's that's just not going to scale so that that was those those are important points that I think were very key to us being very successful were, were, were those key hires and those decisions. Um, and I think that's, that's helped us um, okay. you know, build a solid, a solid foundation. Yeah, no, that's, that's some really sound advice. And I'll have to get those links from you for, for those articles to, to put in the description for this episode. So it, in terms of um, your hiring in twos, James, what, what strategies were you using to push the sales, to push the marketing? Was there particular digital marketing channels that worked really well for you or was it offline that worked well for you? Tell us a bit more about what was the backbone behind the growth in terms of outbound and inbound. Yeah, I suppose right now inbound's working really well for us, but inbound didn't really start working well for us and, until um, probably, uh, I'd say, late 2017, 2018. Um, and, and now it's working really well. Uh, we got somebody called um, Alice who's joined us um, and she, she's formidable and, and uh, again, working on another new level there. Um, but initially it was really outbound that made a big difference, like outbound and having metrics that we hit. So I'd read a really, there's a, there's a really another great resource from um, a venture fund in the US called Insight, um, Insight Partners. Um, they, they have... Um, like a, a, what they, they call a, um, a periodic table of metrics um, for sales okay. and marketing, which is a great ben way to benchmark yourself. And then I was also very um, inspired by um, Chris Bell at Connect and Sell. I don't know if you, uh, you, you know that he, he oh, did. Oh, Connect he, and Sell. He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to get some of those guys on the show, actually. I've, I've spoken, I don't know if you know a guy called Jason McElhone, but he pushes them quite a lot. 
And um, I've, I've spoken to a lot of guys that use their systems. And there's another guy I need to link you to after the show, but we'll talk about that shortly. But touching yeah. back to the outbound approach, what are we talking? Are we talking cold email? Are we talking cold calling? Are we talking different strategies? Or? Yeah, so it's running a, it's running a cadence, um, you know, um, of emails, phone calls, you know, like, like uh, you know, I think we have like a, in total like a 14 step sequence at the moment. Um, wow. Okay. The, 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 but the main thing is that you have activity and that you measure activity and you drive activity and that you use phone as well, right? That, that phone is very key. Um, I think that's the big struggle generally. And the thing that we've got right is like any, any kind of seasoned salespeople are generally very reluctant to pick up the phone because it's a really hard job to pick up the phone and the Too best true. way. Yeah. And the best way to do it is to hire grads that have never done, done it before that are in their first job and, and don't know that yet. Um, or, you know, and, and, and basically a keen and full of fire and to get them to, you know, that to do that SDR function and to hit certain metrics and to keep motivating them and keep, you know, um, you know, keep a culture around them that makes them feel valued and that they're, you know, and that, that, that they're getting rewarded for that very, very difficult job. Um, but that, those calls, those, those metrics hitting that, those activities and sales, um, is what drives a business, especially when you've got, I mean, the great thing about an outbound function, right, is that you can kind of point it at an audience, like you can build lists and point it at your ICP. And especially sure. at times like now, um, your ICP is probably changing, right? There were in industries that, like we're very we're booming like a few months ago events companies recruiters just to name some few which are now in like super difficult times and uh, you know are definitely you know in general going to be very hard industries to prospect to and so now you need to shift your icp so you know you can do that with an outbound team that can cold call and phone but you can't do that with just budget it's a lot harder to do that with budget um with inbound right so the the and also, you know, when you're when you're um, uh, when you when you're a startup and you're a young company and you have very um, young technology, you have to kind of find the audience that you know the the, the audience that is willing to engage in new technologies. And um, so you, you really need to find the right type of buyers. Um, and and you know the, the again you need outbound capacity to find those buyers and locate those buyers. Um, you know they're not just going to come in on inbound. Um, so you really need those kind of like pioneers um and then you reach those people through outbound more than you're going to like find them on inbound so so you know that that, that the inbound the inbound was very important and you know initially for us as well events did help bring in initial traction in those early years so you know we did the um b2b marketing expo um in london okay. uh, uh, and the um uh, yeah, sales innovation expo um and and then we did the technology for marketing um and those were two big big events for us at the beginning we found over time that they weakened um but um you know they, they were very good for us in the first um first couple of years and that That's that, that and outbound yeah. helped us really get traction and you know as, as a young company any sort of traction helps you to get that next funding round and to keep expanding and keep growing and to keep momentum going um, so, so the, 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 I think the outbound in particular, and then events with the, with, with were key for us. And you know, maybe that was also a function of the fact that I didn't know how to hire marketing. We made, we had some terrible um, right at the beginning until we hired our first, you know, proper. Um, when I was trying to outsource marketing, that was generally, you know, there's a lot of bad marketers out there, um, and that, you know, that that wasn't very successful for a long period of time until we That's... hired our first permanent marketing person. 
that's really interesting. I love the, the, the statement you made about the sales, hiring sales reps right at the start of that little piece where you said graduates. I mean, I've never heard that before, but that's awesome. Like you say, a lot of, I've worked with a lot of guys that are in sales and they've been in it 20, 30 years. And like you say, quite a lot, this is not a stereotype, but quite a lot of the time they do get complacent. They're stuck in their ways. They're starting to rut and they don't want to pick up the phone, start dialing out and generate yeah. new prospects. So like you say, the graduates have got the fire in their belly, mainly because they need the money. And uh, you're a company to help them out and put them in place. So that's really awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, everything comes down to metrics, right? Like, like it's all about numbers. Like if you make 60 calls, then, you know, you're going to get like five meetings for that, right? Say, and so if you do 120 calls, you get 10 meetings on average, right? I mean, it just, it literally just works like that. And if you look at across a lot of um, industries and you look at this on, the, this is what inspired me about, you know, like look at Chris Bell and connect and sell in the post he does on LinkedIn. Um, like he does all these metrics and you see that it pretty much just washes out to averages. Right. And so you just need to hit the numbers and the metrics Now you can do a lot. You can tweak your system and it tweaks the numbers, but it just tweaks them. Um, like if you, if you know, the main problem that you've got at the beginning is actually just building a system and making sure that the numbers like happen every single day. Um, and until you do that, you don't really have a sales engine. Um, and that's the number one thing you need to solve. First of all, as a CEO is to get your sales engine running. And if I look at all the businesses that don't grow, they just haven't built a sales engine and they haven't got to a point where they got consistent metrics and then they're not adding people to grow those metrics. Solid advice. Okay. So that was the outbound approach. What have you guys done in terms of inbound and digital marketing and had particular success with? Um, I, I suppose, you know, um, initially uh i think the 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 biggest thing was just i again getting a marketing engine going right like getting a marketer in that's doing all of the work of actually creating content um getting ads your adwords going at your facebook going like just getting a system growing right you actually got people coming to the website you actually got campaigns running how those campaigns performing all of that like is it just is there a system running or not like yes no again i think a lot of companies don't get systems going um you know they they do like bits here and a bits there it's not systematic um and so that's the number one mistake uh, then once you've got like it's systematic I, I think you know again tactic wise um you know we we've done very well with white papers um you know one of the big things that was important to us was getting case studies done um you know that was one of the first things one of our early investors told us was just get good case studies out and created um so you know that was a key thing that we focused in on the beginning making sure that so is, is that just to give potential clients confidence in what you're doing James, yeah or? Okay. exactly it's, it's giving them confidence and it was also i think it helps to get your icp right um it it, it also yeah it's, it's good content i mean also yeah confidence is the main thing especially when you're a young company has no reputation actually having somebody advocate for you is the most powerful a current customer is the most powerful um it's a most nice. powerful message. The, the, the other things that we've done that have been important, are, you know, making sure that customers, are, you get like a process around reviews. So, you know, we have a okay. process around G2 crowd reviews. That's super important. It's actually been important in two ways. It's been important for us to acquire customers and to prove, to have differential against our um, competitors. But it's also been important for us to raise money because, you know, well, I didn't know at the time, but when we raise later rounds of money, um, investors now scan online reviews. They scan, um, you know, and they scan them and then they use that to score companies and then they use that to highlight the companies that are doing well. Um, and so right, it helps okay. attract investment. So it, it helps, it helps with customers, but it also helps with investment. 
attra- uh, attraction now as well. So having a good process around getting good reviews at the, you know, that's important. Running, um, you know, and that, that's tied to you running MPS surveys and understanding what customers that are happy and not happy, and then making sure that the happy customers are reviewing you, um, w- working on the problems from the unhappy customers, you know, that, and then, and then, and then that also triggering referral processes, all of that's been super important that you build process around all those things and you don't leave it to chance. Right. Um, because generally, you know, who writes reviews? You, you, you only write reviews when you're very unhappy or you're asked. Um, so if you just wait till people are very unhappy, you're not going to end up with a very nice online profile. Right. So great point. Great point. Okay. So it sounds like the, um, the, the key takeaway here is having processes and working yeah, on for the everything. metrics work. I'm, I'm lucky that I live in Switzerland and, you know, the Swiss are very good at like very Germanic in terms of building process around everything and then running the process. Right. So it's something as a Brit coming out to, to Switzerland that I noticed about the companies here and how they function. Decisions are generally made slowly, but then a lot of processes are built around decisions and then everything runs like clockwork because everything's a process and very rigid and that building that into the companies, you know, you know, rather than making ad hoc decisions, you're making sure that things are systematic and that metrics are driving your decisions, um, which are metrics are driven by process. Then, you know, then you build a better company and you build a better system. Excellent. And would you say there's one, could we perhaps get one particular outbound channel and one digital marketing channel that you'd recommend that any business invests in? In terms of outbound, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, you know, our, our, our kind of, um, you know, all in stack, you know, we, we, we're using um, Cognizant um, primarily for our data. We're using SalesLofter as, as our outbound tool um, and nice. then building cadences um, around that, 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 that works very, combina- like as a great combination. You know, we, we have our own um, light um, a prospecting tool as well uh, which runs cadences so like the smaller companies like our prospects is a good place to start before you move to like a platform like sales loft um, but getting a um like a cadence running for outbound is is important and that's where i suppose like we come in as well like that, that's our bread and butter really is is to the data and um the, the helping customers like understanding what cadence they need cadences they need to run what messaging they need content they need to get a successful outbound cadence so that you know i'd, I'd recommend um you know that that approach for outbound um nice. in terms of inbound um you know yeah i mean there again um you know i'm happy to connect people to um you know our marketing team for advice um i suppose again um it's a combination of uh, the the case studies, white papers, um, you know, running, um, you know, cam- campaigns on AdWords with the right keywords. Um, Got it. All of that cool. combined makes makes and actually having you know people dedicated to that and investing in that um, makes a difference. Helps you to grow. Um, so you know, it's it's the investment, and this is the other thing. You know, it's, it's an investment in in the people that you have. That makes and 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 defining systems that makes everything work. Um, it's not just one-off. Um, you, you have to build process around all these things. You can't just attempt an AdWords campaign once and expect to have 
uh, functioning um, a system. It's, 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 months, it's a couple of months of experimentation and then, you know, and making sure that you can continuously reviewing the data and then making new decisions. Cause like, especially at a time like now, when the entire business environment shifted, you have to be doing new things and trying new things to keep a flow of business coming. Otherwise it's all gonna, you know, the, the, if you're doing the, the same old stuff you did two months ago, you're probably gonna, you know, have like a, you know, a small percentage of the business you had a couple of months ago because the economy's changed so radically and how people are, you know, like right now everybody's work from home. How do you reach people who work from home? How do you reach people when, you know, there's no more events and everybody's crowding the same digital channels and trying to do the same things. You know, you really need to, you know, um, yeah, like, like we're being very successful calling people at home because we have, you know, our platform, we have direct dials. And that, of course, is how you reach people. You can't reach people at the office anymore. You have to reach them at home. So you need to have um, the right data. Um, and then in terms of, you know, people are now at home. So, they, you know, webinars are more important than ever. So, again, like doubling down on that, on, on, the, on the webinars and the content piece. So, you know, that, that's super important right now. Um, so you Definitely. need to shift your tactics, um, shift your tactics and not, you know, not, you know, the budget that you had for events before that should be thrown into online events and, and you need to be busy creating original, better content. You know, I think these are the key things at this time. Okay. So it sounds like um, being able to adapt fast is really key. It's like you say, especially yeah. and, and doing that on data. So, you know, you, you should have you know you reviewing the data that's coming out of your systems like reviewing like where's the interest like where where are the eyeballs right now like what are people looking at what are they what are they watching um you know um and and where are they like you know where is their attention um and making sure that that you 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 that that's that's where you know your your um your budget's going awesome all right james well you've given some fantastic tips for sales professionals, marketing professionals and business owners alike so far. Um, are there any particular habits that you've got, James, that you follow or that you believe anyone should follow in order to be a success? Um, like personal and business. I, I suppose um, there, there's things on the business side that I think we, we do which are super key to our success. One is that we run a daily stand-up. Um, like every, every morning the leadership team um, has like a, a 15 to half an hour call. Um, okay. That's, super important to sync um and then just eliminate issues super quickly um we we do like yeah metrics reporting um like you know right now it's daily like every day we're, we're looking at the digging into the stats and um getting reports on you know um the, the the health of our customers you know what we're doing um in terms of which business we're closing so that we can feed that back into making decisions in terms of who we're targeting um the, the, you know that 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 kind of data feedback is um, and and reporting is super important. Fantastic. Uh, I suppose, like personally, like just staying staying healthy, like a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, I you know I didn't probably do it as much as I should have done it, but I like I do. Um, you know, um, I was running like two half marathons every year. Um, right now, I'm jogging, oh, and just keeping fit. Um, especially like right now, you're in lockdown in, in in the house uh like just doing like getting into routine of doing some exercises like i think just keep you sane um is is important um you know i'm, I'm pretty disciplined about like uh i suppose um l lists of things to do making sure that i i still use notebook pen and paper i haven't really moved i i, I use other tools like to do lists and things like that but 
it, it's I think it's is there something like just more natural about like having a list of things you want to do or achieve that day and then crossing them off um, sure. I think that that keeps you super focused I've done that all the way through um cognizant and I just always found that when I stop doing that then I get less um you know um get less less done so yeah that, that's I love important. I love building lists so yeah that's, that's a great tip cool yeah. all right James um, and, yeah uh, excellent stuff and yeah definitely agree with keeping healthy I mean I know that I'm, I can be stuck at my computer for hours on end especially when I get stuck into something if it's making calls sending out emails working on new projects proposals whatever it may be so yes I'd say I agree it's really important to get out whether that's for a run or to go to do a bit of fitness or home workout whatever it is it's uh it's good to revitalize your mind and uh get get stuck back into it. awesome all right well, um, what I'd like to ask everyone, James, towards the end of the show is if you could thank just one person, dead or alive, for having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? Uh, I suppose, like, is it just one person or can I thank a couple of people? <laughs> <laughs> it's usually one, but if there's two, I guess we could... Uh, well, I, I say... Uh, I know. I mean, definitely, I'd thank um, definitely my wife, right, who's been there and supported me um through through um you know like through starting and having like going through hard times um and, and also supporting my decision to um to start the company um i think that that you know that that's like really um yeah having your spouse's support when you start a company because you know it's always hard the first two years of starting any new venture are incredibly difficult you know you you've got no money you've probably got a really terrible product um and you know the the you, you know, I, I didn't pay myself any sort of salary i wasn't really contributing into the household i was burning all my savings you know um to have a spouse that understands <laughs> is understanding of that uh um, supportive I'd yeah it's super key <laughs> to survival right so i, yeah, I think yeah i know i think i think you know the top of my list would would um definitely be my wife um and then, you know, I think the, 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 all the original employees, right. I have to also thank them. Right. Um, you know, Stefan, um, Nazma and Chris, um, all with their, the, you know, they, without their, them at the beginning and the, you know, uh, and their like super hard work and then sacrifices in terms of, you know, um, you know, the salaries and things that they were on at the beginning, then we wouldn't have got over that initial, hard period at the very beginning to get to where we are now like it's really tough right the first two years um is, is incredibly tough and all of the employees that we've had early employees you know all of them i'd like to thank because you know everybody's put their work in and worked really hard to get us to where we are now so you know it's it's that that's that's been a huge part of the success has been the the teamwork um and the friendship that's got us to to where we are now Great stuff, James. Appreciate it. Well, everyone, you've been listening or tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from across the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. The show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses skyrocket leads, sales, and brands positioning with results-driven web design, SEO, and digital marketing, as well as mobile apps. That's webchoiceuk.com. James, thank you so much. Just before we wrap this up, can um, please do tell us the best way to connect with you a little bit more about your business and how people can get in touch. 
Sure. I'd just like to say, first of all, thank you for having me on the show um, and thank you for the, you know, the time. Um, yeah, so um, Cognizant is, uh, you know, we're a B2B um, a data platform um, and prospecting platform. So we, so we really help you to, to build an outbound system um, and to find leads with, you know, we have like 400 million global leads and we have direct dial data and we have um, B2B email addresses and we can really help you to get an outbound um, team going so you can come to you can connect to me on linkedin uh you can also come to our website www.cognism.com uh, c-o-g-n-i-s-m.com um and yeah um, you know and uh, yeah happy you know to also uh, any any founders out there business owners that need any advice or support also happy to give my time um to help anybody um uh, i help lots of entrepreneurs out in terms of their decks and their pitches on finding investments so happy to help anybody and um yeah um connect to me um and uh, anytime excellent thanks very much james appreciate you coming on thank you very much and thanks for the time subscribe today for more digital marketing sales and business growth tips from the experts